Good morning, everybody. This is Daycastron Adventures' podcast with Heather and Ute, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. My name is Ute, and I'm happy to welcome you to another exciting episode. One word before we start. If you like this show, please give us a rating or review on your podcast player, as this will help in keeping this podcast up and running. Also tell your friends about it, so more like-minded women can find us and start listening. Thank you. We are explorers. We are trailblazers. We love to do what cannot be done. We love to test our limits, cross borders, and we love the freedom horses bring us. We seek lands without fences. Who are we? We are equestrian adventuresses. We are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity and beyond! And now your hosts... Uta and Heather. And today I have a super special guest with me. I'm talking with Sue Manning from the UK about her 200 miles journey around the Cairngorms with her pony Kirsty in order to raise funds for refugees. And Sue did something amazing. She didn't ride, but she walked all the way with, with Kirsty. So Kirsty was just carrying her equipment and her gear and um, Sue was actually walking with a pony. And today I'm asking her why she walked rather than rode. And uh, of course about all her experiences. And uh, Sue had a lot of interesting encounters on the way. And of course her cause uh, because she walked for the Red Cross um, campaign um, Miles for Refugees. So this was pretty amazing because not only did Sue have an amazing adventure with her pony, but she also did this for a great cause and contributed to a wonderful charity campaign. So I'm really looking forward. Let's just head to the show. What if you could have the adventure of your dreams? Enjoy your free time with your horse going out and about. The Equestrian Adventuresses created a workshop with 18 experts to tell you how to achieve this with and for your horse. We asked all of them to share their biggest mistakes and their strategies which brought them to where they are today. We asked them what they would have done differently in the first place so that you can learn directly from them. In this workshop you will learn strategies from our experts to succeed in having adventures with horses, increase the speed while learning secrets our experts share with you, get inspired. Sometimes we forget how important it is to just dream. This workshop will give you inspiration and motivation to fulfill your dreams. Our 18 experts are incredibly talented horsemen and women from different fields and countries and they have shared amazing insight and tips. Some of them are Kelly Wilson from New Zealand who talks about what wild horses teach us, how to read horses and how liberty work helps us in our relationship with our horse. Jonathan Field from Canada, who talks about how to stay safe with horses and how trail riding can help you with your general riding skills. Sarah Cuthbertson from Ride Like an Athlete tells us all about riders' fitness and how to prepare your body for an adventure. Sandra Schmidt from Ireland gives advice about how to prepare for an overnight camping trip with horses and about what equipment and gear is necessary. Charlotte Kingsman Chaudhry talks about how to manage our emotions to have a better relationship with our horses. Kathleen Leonard tells us about the biggest mistakes new long riders make and how not to long ride. And these are just some examples. There are many more. Additionally, there are bonus panel discussions about different topics such as saddlebags, tipping etiquette, when, what to do what, when you're injured while riding abroad and many more. 
All this you can access from the comfort of your home or listen to while driving out to work or to the stable. We have also added behind-the-scene footage and you will receive a goal-setting workbook to put your new knowledge to work. You can get all this for a special price of just 27 US dollars. As a limited offer, you can find our virtual workshop on the Equestrian Adventurers' website and I will also add the link in our show notes. Just click on it and start fulfilling your dreams about adventuring with horses. And here we are back again with the podcast and I'm joined by Sue Manning from Great Britain and she has done an incredible journey with her pony around the Cairngorm National Park in Scotland um, and she did that as a fundraiser to raise money for refugees. So first of all, hello Sue, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Hello. So we want to talk a little bit about your adventure this summer. Maybe you can first introduce yourself and, of course, tell us a little bit more about uh, your coin partner. Um, so my name is Sue Manning. I'm uh, I'm semi-retired architect. I, I live on a farm in Scotland, um, in the middle of Scotland, in the Lochte area. And I have three, three ponies. And I've always been interested in... In working with horses and working with ponies and I've always been interested in long distance travel so um, the first ponies I got I never really thought about this sort of journeys with them but um, as, as time went on I just realized this, this is more and more what I wanted to do and I did have one trip in 2015 where I traveled with people who were part of a traveling circus they were um, they had horses as part of the circus doing carrying the equipment and that really got me captivated into this way of traveling and also the way of traveling on foot because there was uh, in that journey there was three horses and one horse is pulling a cart and the other two horses which were my horses were carrying packs and the pack horses could go anywhere they were completely free nothing could stop them they weren't held up by cattle grids or awkward gates they they could just go anywhere And I thought that's 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 the way to travel. And so um, I had one horse and I tried to started doing it with her and I got a Canadian pack saddle. And but she just wasn't temperamentally suited to it. She was very uh, anxious about leaving the herd. And we used to have to go right back to the beginning every time we went on a journey and talk about it again. And in the end, I thought this isn't going to work with this particular pony. So. Um, I looked for one that would I thought would be suitable and I wanted one that I'm small myself so I wanted a small pony and I wanted a mare and I wanted a native breed and I wanted a particular size and then I saw a little advert for a, 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 she was a child's pony in a, as a companion and she was wearing a unicorn on her head and was carrying two little girls I thought that's my pony that's my pony she's just completely unfazed by everything going on around her so her name is Kirsty. She was seven years old when I got her and she was very overweight and wheezed and her feet were all wonky. But over the over the years we've she's still a bit chubby, even after walking all that way, we've got a fit. You know, the wheezing's gone, the feet are sorted, and the weight's gone down to something a bit more acceptable. So we've been to, over the last four or five years, we've been building up really, we've been training and experimenting with um, equipment and different pack saddles and how to carry the equipment and what sort of bags to use and where to go and how to do it 
And I felt um, one of the big problems I had last year was because um, obviously if you're going on a long journey, you haven't always got field to put them in. You're just, and you could be anywhere. And what a lot of people use in the UK is they use uh, an electric fence corral, which is electric, it's post with electric wire and, and an energizer. But Kirsty completely, um, well, she was okay to start with and then she completely disregarded it. It was like it was optional. And she started walking through the electric fence over and over again. So I had to rethink that one. And then talking to old timers and they said, use, use a tether pin, use a picket pin. And so I had to research into that, how that would work and how do you put it in and how do you take it out and how does it work? And so last summer we, we learned that and she's absolutely brilliant on it. She's really settled on a, on, a, on a picket. I think you call it a picket pin in the States and we call it a tethering pin. Anyway, so all these little things added together. So we had all the jigsaw in place. Um, and so by the end of last year, I, was, I felt I was able to go on a trip and she wasn't running away and we had enough food and we knew what we were doing. We weren't getting lost and things weren't falling off. So um, this year I thought we'll go, we'll go something, we'll do something longer. Well, and I managed to find a month. Um, but one of the things she was still being a bit difficult with was, was trailer training. So I wanted to build that in as well. So that's why at the end of the trip, she went home in a trailer, a, a, a commercial trailer, big lorry. Um, so I wanted to do a long distance. I wanted a month, and I wanted to build in. I wanted to go and stay with friends who had trailers and build in, build in that. So that, and at the same time, I wanted to do some fundraising because all the other trips I've done, every time any, a lot of people, it looks so mad. They just assume you're you're doing it for charity. So what are you raising money for? And I was, oh, right, I would say, um, 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 refugees. So give some money to refugees or, or, or mental health. So I thought I really need to be more focused on what I'm actually raising money for and, have, and to be able to direct people. Um, and also people want to try actually give you money. Here's some money. And they, you haven't even said what you're doing. So I thought I need to, although it wasn't, I was doing the trip anyway, but I needed to tap into this generosity of people out there who saw this and wanted to, to contribute so um in a way that's why the red cross was a kind of convenient hook because they were doing a um walk miles in june for refugees and i thought well that fits i'm starting in june and i'm walking for i want to walk for refugees so i just sort of signed up for that really it was it was much easier than creating my own charity or or anything else so that was kind of how it came about if that answers that question yeah it definitely does um yeah the red cross miles for refugees uh 2022 project this is where uh you actually decided um uh to raise the the money for and you did raise more than 800 pounds quite a lot yeah. actually much yeah. more than yeah. your <clears throat> than your original uh goal so um yeah tell us a little bit how easy was it to join in there and um yeah how how much um did people really react to your charity well i suppose it was quite easy to i did it very last minute because it was like you know when you set off on these things there's so many things to do and you've got so many things to do at home and there's this and there's this and there's this and sometimes the last thing you're thinking about is the fundraiser because you've got all these things to do so i'm going oh i've got to get this organized so i literally signed up at the last minute And it's a pity I wasn't a bit more organized because it would have been really good to have had little cards to hand out. And I kind of had hoped that that might happen. Like a queue, these, these queue things that people can tap on their phones, but I wasn't that organized. 
and and I will say I'm not super duper with Facebook and technology, and so sometimes it's going, how do I link this with my Facebook page? So it wasn't for me; it wasn't super easy. But once um, it was going, and once um, we were on our way, people were made. Pe- people were, who understood the technology better than me were, were doing it for me, were forwarding it to people and, and, and linking it in there. So I raised the first bit of money really, really quickly. It's sort of been a flash in the pan. And then um, after that, it was kind of steady as people sort of read the Facebook posts and as, as I passed people on the way. And then so I say it was I was doing this for Red Cross refugees and some of them looked it up and found it and donated. And a lot of people gave me cash, actually. Um, you know, sort of people in cars handing money out the window. And, <laughs> and often it's you go through communities and it's often the poorest communities that are giving the most, you know. Yeah. And that and that was that was interesting. A lot of play, a lot of people gave me things like ice creams and drinks, and food as mm. part of their contribution and the places to stay. They sort of felt that was, um, yeah, that, that's the way they contributed. So it sort of um, it sort of generated quite quite a lot of interest in in the early days, anyway. And then it then it's picked up speed again. And and then unfortunately it was, it was miles in June, and I was continuing into July. So the miles, actually, I, I think it says I did 173, but actually I did more than that because I was walking into July. I did more than 200 in the end, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a trip with more than 200 miles. So, um, so, so yeah, I think it was definitely worthwhile um, having um, a fundraiser along with it. And it, added, it did add a dimension. It did add mm-hmm. a dimension. A positive dimension. Although sometimes I'm, sometimes I felt a bit embarrassed. Oh, you're doing it for refugees, so they they look in their pockets and say, "I haven't got it." I said, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay." You know, <laughs> which is probably why she said, "No, no, you have to go online when you get home and put the money in." So I'm not a very aggressive fundraiser. So I probably could have got more if I'd if I'd had little cards to hand out. That would have been good. But people could have actually gone online and found it. Right. Some people, you know. So I was, and perhaps that's my fault. Was a bit disorganized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> doing it for the first time, uh, yeah. I can totally relate to that. I mean, by the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean, it's something you don't do on a daily basis, I guess. Uh, tell us a little bit about the ride. You did more than 200 miles. Uh, you rode for about, a, uh, sorry, you walked with your pony yeah. about a month. We didn't, um, we didn't, we didn't ride a single step. <laughs> right, we, you, we, you walked we with walked it. Walked yeah, wonderful. Way. So tell us a little bit about um, how did you choose yeah. the area you rode in? Well, had it, it's it's always it's a route I've always had in mind because it it links a lot of people I know, some of them with horses, and some of the and it also it's a bit of personal history about some of the route is where I used to live, the the eastern side of the Cairngorms, the Angus Glens. When I had, when my family was growing up, we used to go there a lot, and then ran the D side. That's old that's old ground as well, and I really wanted to go down the space side way because that's supposed to be really pretty and nice and easy and, and it was relatively easier and there was a few challenges as well that I wanted to sort of fit in so it's a route I had in mind but it wasn't the route I was going to do I was actually going to do a route in the south of Scotland um walking from southwest Scotland to northwest England um but then when we had the difficulty with the trailer training I thought well that's a bit silly if we go so far from home and he's not going to get in a trailer on day one so we actually ended up walking from home. We left from home okay. in a storm. 
and then along the way we did training and then she came back in a trailer so that the route I got it's a lovely route actually uh, but it wasn't the one I'd initially planned to some extent I hadn't actually planned it as well as I might have done but I knew the rough I knew I could sort of do it um, so some of it was like right okay what happens next <laughs> what, what about accommodation did you plan something in advance or did you just wing it mostly winged it and even the stuff I had in advance I wasn't able to tell people when I was going to be there mm. was um yeah I, I had hoped so we sort of set off the first day was a half day because we walked to a friend's field and that was just to get started and then I came back home and then we started properly the next day and it was the tail end of a storm so that was a wet day, and then we just camped by the river in our in our near, nearby town. You know, we just sort of stopped when we were tired and camp camp. So mostly camping. So we had two days of camping, and then I stayed with uh, uh, somebody who had horses, and then um, I actually got ill and had a rest day, and then we were um, we, we, then we were a few more days walking, and then I went to stay with somebody who helped me to trailer train, and I was in a little cabin, and she was in a field. And then after that, so generally speaking, I was camping and she was tethered. Mm. Unless we managed to find accommodation where she had a field and I had something, maybe a floor or a cabin or a bed or something. So it was a mixture. And um, yeah, most of them were sort of vaguely set up. In actual fact, some of them worked out exactly what I thought they were going to be, but I wasn't able to say in advance. I didn't want to sort of like commit myself to being here at this time and date because it's a horse journey you, you can't you can't really treat it like that you know you have to um, be a bit more flexible on it so um but as it worked out we had um yeah we were fine great how many kilometers did you do roughly per per day well, or how many miles? I don't know. I would, well it's, i did um 200 miles in total yeah. so my total so it's a Sort of 15 miles a day, 15 miles a day was sort of um, what I was aiming for. But some days were less and some days were more. Some days yeah. were much. Um, and that's, we got sort of slower as we went on, actually. Yeah. Um, and to start with, we were kind of quite, quite fast, you know. Right, this is done, you know, all enthusiastic. She was enthusiastic. And I think we got to about halfway and she went like, it doesn't seem to be ending. We don't seem to be going home soon. What's going on here? And um, I was very conscious that she, she was getting tired at one point. So then we sort of slowed down. But I had the days to do that, uh, to slow down. Yeah, you had, uh, you had a month, I think you were. Yeah, we had a month. I mean, there were some places I didn't go to. Some, I mean, although I did the general circle, there were some places sort of going off the beaten track a bit more that I had thought I might do. But uh, in the end, I thought, you know what, this is what I want to do. She doesn't need it. The horse doesn't need to go seven miles up a rocky mountain just for me to stay in a boffy. And it's probably better that we don't do that. So, mm. you know, it's all, you, you always travel and you're totally thinking all the time about, about the pony. How is she doing? How's her feet? Is the pack on? Is she looking tired? Does she need water? All the time is constantly in your mind. So um, sometimes it's easier just to... Um, yeah, uh, just to um, yeah, just just to take it slowly, really. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you walked all alone with your pony. Was it difficult to do the journey all by yourself, or were you happy just to be there and your pony along with it? Um, most of the time, I was really happy, but um, some of the times I did sort of feel a bit homesick, and some of the times um, 
I was quite glad of meeting people. But other times it was lovely. There was one, there was one particular, you know, I kind of, I kind of, um, sort of psychologically, emotionally got into it as time went on. I was a bit anxious to start with. There was a route I was quite anxious about, and then it went swimmingly. It went really, really well, and it was lovely and amazing. And I realised I was going to come off this mountain pass too soon, and I was going to going to end up in civilization too soon. So I actually turned around and went back. So that I have to get to civilization as quickly as, as that. So we had a lovely camp by the river and a little fire, and it was just idyllic, you know. So sometimes I wanted to slow down, you know, slow the journey down, and other times it felt like something to get through. So it was a very mixed, mixed emotions. But I think people who do this sort of thing will sort of that will resonate with them, you know. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, on one hand, it's nice to be there all by yourself because you can decide where you want to go, when you want to start. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you probably met a lot of people on the way as well. So um, I guess you're never quite alone out here in yes, Europe. Yes, you do. I mean, yes, you often do, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes, you know, there was one day, this particular day where I turned back, I was met at the beginning of the day by two gamekeepers checking me out what was I doing and one cyclist and we had a quick check on the path and that was the only person I met all day long wow. you know, and that, 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 that which, was, which was fine it's lovely mm. uh, but it, it does it can get quite tiring as well you wake up in the morning and go right okay here we are gotta get up and get all this on the road again <laughs> pack mm. it all up get feed me make sure she's fine da, 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 and on the road again so it, it's a it's a it's it's a, they're tough trips actually Yeah, yeah, I bet. Did you carry the food for you and your horse or like for how many unfortunately, days? Unfortunately, two things. One is she's a little pony who doesn't who gets fat very easily. Okay. And secondly, we live in Scotland where there's lots of rain and lots of grass. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, well, I'd never had to think about her really. I mean, I did think about it because sometimes up in the hills, it's not very suitable grass and sometimes and sometimes fields aren't suitable so obviously you've got to think about if he's going to get enough but there's there's all there's there's something something around the corner you know there's mm. always something around the corner for her uh the main the bigger problem is is it suitable like if i'm putting her on a tethering state i've got to make sure we're not in a field with any other animals for instance or mm. i'm not anywhere where she might get sort of wound around a tree you know she might get caught up or I've got to think about all that and I've got to think of somewhere where I can get water for her. So always, always the priority is, is this good for her? And I remember one day I was walking, thinking about time to camp, maybe about time. And I came round the corner, this is an Aviemore, and there laid out in front of me was the perfect campsite. Nice grass, river behind, some bushes and a place for me. So that was like, wow, here we go. I didn't have to look very far. Sometimes you can walk for hours trying to find somewhere. So it's always nice when that happens. And um, so food for me was always a bit tricky because I never know what I want to eat. And sometimes I'm not hungry and I know I should eat. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I carried I carried food for me, too. And um, again, you start off worrying about it and then realize, actually, you know, you don't need an awful lot. And because she's so small. I know some people, when they're doing this sort of trip, they have to carry like two weeks supplies or they have to do food drops. But because she's so small and so friendly, I can literally turn up at the local shop in a, in a place, a local co-op or a small village store and stand there. And within like a minute, someone will come up and say, a pony, can I please hold your pony while you go to the shop? And I go, yeah, sure. Or if you want to, I say, you can 
going for me. Oh, no, no, no. This. And so there's someone, <laughs> that's the way I do my shopping. So I tend to just get food as I go. I know where the shops are. And obviously, if there's not, shop, not a shop for five days and you've got to take five days worth of food. But generally speaking, I'm using local local shops. So it's not like, um, yeah, I, off the beaten track for weeks and weeks. So I mm. do. But always for me, I, I kind of, what am I going to eat, you know? <laughs> well, Avestas, there's nothing like a pony to uh, to meet people on the way. I, I suppose. I, I guess you got yeah. lots of attention. Yeah, we did. We did, and she's very um, well. She varies. Sometimes she's very happy to be petted and fussed over and told how lovely she is. Other times, she just wants to get on. It's like get away, people. Like, I'm, I'm on a walk. Just go away. Uh, so she, she's kind of depends what time. If it's in the evening, she's much more amenable to being fussed over. But in the morning, she's like, oh, come on. Get going, Get going here. What were some of the highlights of your journey? Was there any particular situation or landscape or anything which really kind of stood out? Um, well, the first day was fun, just sort of getting going. Um, and every day has highs and lows. You know, you can be one moment walking along in a lovely place and then you come across an obstacle, like there was one day when there was a, a, a cattle grid and a gate beside it we have to walk through, and the gate is so badly made, I can't open it. So, you know, what am I going to do now? I jump on it and hit it with the hammer, and, well, hit it with a rock. And I'm just going, oh, no, you know. I'm just trying to think, I'll have to maybe turn around and go back or do another thing, and this car turns up, and this man gets out, and I say, excuse me, can you help me? And he jumps on the gate, hits it with a hammer, but eventually um, gets it open. So, so it's like one moment you're in the depths of despair and the next moment it's all right. Or the next mo one moment it's all right and the next moment it's not. So it's just an emotional roller coaster. But some of the highlights were walking over Mount Keen, which is, which is the highest point I went, and just seeing the mountains of the Cairngorms laid out, laid out to one side. And, um, yeah, and another, another funny one was sitting in a tent in a storm with the with the, the tent being held down with rocks because it was so stormy talking to my family and it's like what are you saying and the women's going batter 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 so it's always little, little moments and then coming to finding a nice place at the end of the day and um you know getting the pony sorted and, and getting me sorted and going, yeah we've done it so lots lots of amazing little stops of scenery and walking over old bridges and walking through old woodlands. And then actually, and some of it's what a friend of mine calls class two fun, where it's kind of fun in retrospect. At the time, it didn't seem like fun, like walking through a moorland in the rain. And, it was, and she was, Kirsty was amazing. She was climbing up these peat hags and just amazing. At the time, I felt quite miserable. But I look back now and think, actually, that was pretty good. That was actually quite a highlight because we did it. Mm. And it was amazing scenery. So um, over and over again, it's just, just sort of bounces along. Uh, amazing scenery and bumping into people that help. Um, yeah, so one day she wouldn't cross the river. And I ended up having to take all the tack off and walk across. And I, when I cross rivers, I have a pair of Crocs, you know, these waterproof shoes and hmm. after that I lost one it fell off so then I thought oh no 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 and then anyway I didn't know where it was falling off so I just continued and then I was I was camping 
and um oh, just a crock anyway I'll, whatever and then i met a swiss backpacker and he was talking about we were talking about what he was doing and i explained I, I, for some reason he got to really really had lost something and he was going back that way so he said well i'll look for it and he found it and it's sort of working its way back to me through various contacts so that, that was pretty amazing and just just the magic of, of the whole thing the whole journey when you put yourself in that situation of not knowing what's going to happen next and you've only got a loose plan and I had some traumatic times because my phone wouldn't charge which is a silly thing I had two phone charges but it was a lead that was broken and uh, that was a bit scary because it's amazing how much you kind of rely on that contact with other people Mm. and also I had my mapping app on it too so I was a bit anxious about that and then I found you know then, then it all worked again and yeah it's just um it's it's it's, it's, and I always say we we do these journeys through the kindness of strangers, you know. Always, always, it's it's somebody, yeah, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes. I mean, yeah, the kindness of strangers. Yeah, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> that's that's right. Doesn't matter how you travel, but um, I think every traveler can relate to that. Was there any point where you said, "That's it. I'm going home. I've had enough. I don't want to continue." <laughs> Well, I hadn't got any choice. <laughs> okay. I couldn't go home. And this is it. This is it. You see, if you're walking or got a bicycle or something, you can say that and you can go home. I couldn't go home. How could I go home? I had no way of getting home. Home was days away. You know, I either had to keep going and wait for this lorry. I mean, I suppose there was a point I could, I suppose I could have done. If it had been an emergency, I could have, I could have got home. But um, I suppose there was one point I got a bit homesick and thinking, oh, don't. But, um, And then she she was she got very tired, um, sort of in the middle of the trip when she came into season and it was hot weather, and blah 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 blah, and she got quite tired and I could see she was really struggling and that really upset me, and um, but again we were in the middle I couldn't do much about it all I could do was give her some rest you know and some water, but I couldn't go home could I yeah. Sort mm. How how heavy was the pack she had to carry for you? difficult to stay but I, it's I think it's it's um 12 maybe about 30 40 kilos I try and keep it light it's that's still so the the size of a, a teenager a light mm-hmm. teenager I think. certainly lighter than if I was if I was on a Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> you took all your equipment. Was there anything which you realized worked very well? Any any particular piece of equipment? I guess you had a pack saddle for her. Well, yeah, I did have a pack saddle, but actually the saddle is a is an ordinary barefoot saddle because the um, Canadian pack saddles are too big for her. She didn't, she didn't go well with them, so it's just a saddle with D rings and things clipped on. Okay. Um, It wasn't really anything that I should have taken that I did. There's lots of stuff I shouldn't have taken that I did, you know, probably not too much of some things. Um, and there was a bit of a my stove running out of fuel and stuff like that. You'd think that petrol, gas would be easy, but it's sometimes you've sort of got to go knocking on doors almost to, to get some. Um, no, my, my equipment was actually sort of okay, I think. Um, a good tent. Yeah, I think we we looked after ourselves pretty well. Yeah, looked looked like that from the photos. <clears throat> and you yeah. did have like storms and bad weather. Is that that's normal in yeah. Scotland? I guess. 
It's pretty normal, yeah. Not as bad as some people get, but um, we set off in the tail end of the storm. A friend of mine was on a similar trip. She had to, she had to stay in a barn for two days. She had to hole up in a barn for two days while wow. the storm rained. So I left at the end of a storm, and I had one storm in the middle, the one where the rocks were around the outside of the tent. And this was a rest day for her, and she just stood there with her back to the storm for 24 hours and just stood there in it and didn't seem to be at all bothered. Um, and there was some rain, yeah, but in terms of storms, we had some heavy rain, we had some really heavy rain, but uh, as rain and wind at the same time, um, only only kind of one or two days, yeah. Right. And in the you end, um, in the end, you had a lorry waiting for you to bring her back. How did that go? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I was a bit like sort of booked the lorry and then the lorry. I was there was a bit of confusion over times with the lorry and I got there after the lorry arrived. Anyway, so well she had had we'd had trouble loading her. Mm. She didn't like it. But we've trained her so we and this was a completely different lorry. It was a big lorry, mm. and the man said, "Oh, well, there's a stallion in the front, and the middle, the middle, the middle horse wouldn't load." So I thought, "Oh no, it's all we need." Anyway, so I walked her up. She backed off again, walked up a second time, and she backed off again. And then we went for a little walk around the yard. And then I said to the man, the driver, I said, I always carry, one of the things actually that's really important is I always carry, I'm always high-vis, I'm high-vis to the nines, and I carry a, a flag, a high-vis flag that, I'm, that I wave at drivers. And I said to the driver, just, just hold this. And he stood behind, just sort of making encouraging noises and waving this flag about that we'd walked 200 miles with. And so then we walked up the ramp and she went, oh, okay, there's some hay in there. And he went sort of from behind and she just walked right in. So it was actually pretty, pretty good. We didn't have to resort to any devious tactics. We just said, okay, that's okay, then I'll go with. Mm. And then, yeah, off she went. And apparently they've got cameras in these big lorries and apparently traveled very well yeah. good yeah so that was successful then in the end that was successful in the end yeah <laughs> wonderful any plans with uh, Kirsty for the future any more hikes or any adventures planned? Yeah, I'm, hoping to do, I'm hoping to do something small in September there's a local trail called the Cataran Trail that's not too far from my house and I might be able to persuade someone to take me there <laughs> And maybe find a way back. So I'm hoping to do about a week in September and then maybe something bigger next year. Okay, cool. And I've also got to go and, yeah, I want to go and visit a friend who's got a, a river to cross. I want to do a bit more bit more training in certain aspects like river crossings, mm -hmm. which I thought I thought we'd sorted. I thought we'd talked about river crossing. I thought we could do them, but it turns out not always. <laughs> so, um Yeah, a little bit more day trips and training and then one in September and then we'll start thinking about next year. Yeah. Oh, and um, do you think you'll do another fundraiser again or was it, is it just for fun next time? Well, probably, yeah. I mean, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, I might even think about one for the September trip. I haven't actually sort of got that far yet. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Why right. not, you know? Yeah, I mean, why not? It's definitely something people, I think, are always happy to contribute um, about, um, with or for, basically, because, uh, yeah, and you meet a lot of people on the way. So I think uh, it's always great to combine it with something like that.
Yeah, yeah, that's right. And people are very generous and people often, I mean, there was one instance, this is the day after she was really, really tired and I was camping before I wanted to camp and I could see across across the valley it was a tea room. It was a cafe and a tea room. So I went, um, in the morning we went to this tea room. We were there before nine o'clock and when they opened, and there was like, oh, my God, there's a pony at the door. I said, right, and I need a breakfast and I want somewhere to stay. And they were so generous. And they gave me breakfast and they gave me dinner and they gave me a huge donation. And, um, yeah, so that, that, that was just like somebody contributing to my journey in, in a practical way to help me and in a financial way to help the, the fundraising. So there's awesome. a lot of that. Wonderful. Thing. Yeah, wonderful. Sue, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful adventure with us. I think the fundraiser is still on if people want to contribute. Um, I'm going to share your page. Till the end of the month, yeah. Yeah. Till the end of July, yeah. <laughs> right, wonderful. So thanks a lot for joining me and relating all these wonderful stories. Okay, thank you very much. And that's it for today's episode. Heather and me want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Equestrian Adventuresses podcast, the show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. Are you missing a topic or have an interesting story to tell? Contact us through our Facebook group or send us an email on podcast-show at equestrianadventuresses.com. For all information on this episode, check out today's show notes. You can find the link in your podcast player window or just go to the Equestrian Adventures' website under podcast. Here you can find all the information about our virtual workshop, Adventuring with Your Horse, our latest free travel guidebook, The Ultimate Equestrian Adventures' Bucket List, or our 1000 Miles Challenge. So long, everybody. Happy trails. <laughs>